Eight after 11 o'clock, welcome to the third and final hour of the show. Coming up in this hour, of course, we are focusing on COP27. Most importantly, uh, some of the deals that South Africa has struck with various entities, including uh, German and French development banks. And this is to finance uh, what is termed the Just Transition Initiative, which is really uh, a move then into more renewable and sustainable energy. Uh, It was part of what was announced last week by President Cyril Ramaphosa when he was in Egypt attending the COP27 uh, summit. Well, joining us for this conversation, Zakela Madela is an energy professional and analyst. Zakela, good morning to you. Thank you for your time this morning. Good morning to you, Kate, and good morning to your listeners. Liz McDade is strategic lead at the Green Connection. Liz, good morning. Good morning to you and the listeners. And Hamida Didat is the acting executive director at the National Labor and Economic Development Institute. Hamida, good morning. Good morning to you and to the listeners and to our fellow panelists. Zakele, let me perhaps kick it off with you, right? So coming out of last week, we then have about 10.7 billion rand Um, that has been committed to South Africa by various development banks uh, to finance the just transition. Much of it, we understand, is in the form of loans, not necessarily grants. A lot of transparency still needed in as far as what exactly has gone into these agreements. But just your initial first take around um, the negotiations that have been taking place Um, between South Africa, various countries. Is this a good thing, what we see happening? Uh, Once again, good morning to the listeners. Any investment is a good thing, but an investment that does not talk to the greater whole is problematic. This investment is mainly received by South Africa. The rest of the world countries are not offered this investment. And it even goes further to praise South Africa and our president, that he's the only president in the world that has taken a giant leap to commit to close down our coal power station in exchange for this investment. So the investment is okay, but it has to happen in a balanced ecosystem way. We compare ourselves to the rest of the world all that it says at the moment is that only the U.S. has gone that route, but it's a lie. To cut a long story and answer your question, the investment is good, but the particular investment that is being offered to us, it is done behind closed doors, is problematic because it demands that we shut down our coal power station when nobody else is shutting down their coal power station. Liz? Hi. So from uh, my side... I think it was strategic for the president to go to COP with a, with a plan. Um, but I share some concerns because we were told that civil society would only get to consult on the plan after COP. So it, that makes it very difficult then who South Africa is that plan on behalf of. We think it's a good idea to shut down coal-fired power stations obviously not instantaneously, um, and to demand that the countries, other countries actually pay. And we, we, I think we have to make it clear 
that of the billions of dollars that have been promised to help countries transition, it hasn't been forthcoming. So I don't think this is enough um, from from that perspective. And a just transition involves very should involve very clear actions, and that those parties involved in the transaction have to be consulted. So this has been a rather top-down investment plan that's gone to COP. However, I think what has shown up at the negotiations is it's very useful to have a begging bowl with you um, when you arrive and that there has been some commitment. The other problem we have is that most of it is loans. Um, and, and we very strongly feel that it is not the, the least developed countries and the developing countries that have caused the problem. So yes, we're all in this together. Um, but then we should be seeing grants and and maybe zero interest loans in order to make that transition, not a kind of thing where those who cause the problem are only get money, mm-hmm. which we have to pay back. That's I think it shows up a bit of hypocrisy there. Hamida? Hi, Cathy. So as you know, I come from Labour and the research arm for Kusatu, so you're going to get a completely different perspective. Uh, so let me first start to, on, on, on the question of, you know, are we getting grants or are we getting loans? Let's be clear, these are loans. And I just want to give you an example of the Madupi loan, right? When South Africa negotiated the Madupi loan, the rand to dollar exchange rate was seven, was seven, rand, uh, seven rand to the dollar. We're currently sitting at between 17 and 18 rand to the dollar, which means that whatever we negotiated when we took out the Madupi loan has now gone three times or four times uh, uh, more than what we had actually negotiated. So we are paying, when we negotiate World Bank or IMF loans, we do not peg the the the, the rand to dollar exchange rate at the current rate at, which we, at the time of negotiations. And therefore we as South Africans and mainly developing countries who take on World Bank or IMF or any kind of foreign loan end up paying 10 times more than what we actually should be paying. I mean, historically, there's been the issues around reparations for debt and so on. I mean, this is a problem. We fall into the same trap over and over, and it is historically South Africans and the, and, and generally the poor who will carry the brunt for generations. I mean, Madupi will haunt us. And I think when it comes to the current green um, so-called investment, I mean, I want to I want to uh, tease uh, tease out this issue in relation to whether foreign direct investment is actually good for us. Uh, Zakeli, I think it would be good for you to go and read a work by um, uh, Good Lord, the guy, I'll come back to his name, but it's, there's an organization from Siatini, and you will find, in fact, the, the author's name is Yash Tandon. Yash is is a fervent African, a staunch, staunch African, and he's been tracking foreign direct investment in Africa for years. Nowhere has foreign direct investment led to the development of Africa or any developed developing country. It's led to underdevelopment. And my position in relation to what's currently being negotiated is a green form of, of investment and colonialism that's not going to lead to beneficiation for the majority of South Africans and definitely not for the beneficiation of workers. I think when we talk about, you know, are the investments good? The question is good for who? Definitely not for workers. When we talk about accelerated decommissioning of our coal-fired power stations, I mean, the the IRP, I think, of 2012 had already indicated that the coal-fired power stations have to be decommissioned at some point. Now, let's be clear, when you build a power station, 
we know that it has a particular lifespan and it would have to be decommissioned. So from Labour's perspective, we're not challenging the fact that when you have a coal-fired power station, it has to be decommissioned. But we believe that when you go into decommissioning, it shouldn't be accelerated because you don't have a plan called a just transition. All we have is, is rhetoric. And secondly, if you look, if you really want to understand what the impact is going to be on the Mpumalanga region, in a context where South Africa has more than 50% unemployment, we're sitting in recession and we have austerity, you just have to visit Hendrina and Kamati and those and the surrounding towns to see the devastation that two coal-fired power stations without a plan, what it's causing. And the and and the, the president has announced before he went to COP that he's going to plan to close down 10 coal-fired power stations without a practical implementation of a just transition. And this is not just morally wrong, but it's going to be absolutely and utterly devastating. I think just before I give you an opportunity to go back to the other callers, is I think the other key issue is that, you know, when we look at the coal energy nexus and you look at mining in particular, particularly as Africans and South Africans in particular and historically black Africans, we need to contest the, the issue of the just transition in its current form and how it is that government is projecting that it's going to be bringing about new jobs and it's going to be addressing the issues of climate change through accelerated decommissioning. Because the very same communities who have suffered as a result of, of being miners and being families of miners who've built the economy based on a coal-fired power station or coal-fired power stations are the ones who are going to bear the brunt again in the name of climate change. And I find that totally unacceptable. There was an issue that um, was brought up by one of by one of the guests, and and it's really around how South Africa has found itself almost at the center of this conversation. So, if we look at um, the the statement that was issued last week, so the International Partners Group uh, really is a, a group, and it's made up of uh, the UK, France, Germany, the US, and the EU, the European Union, right? And this group is chaired by the UK, and effectively, this is the group now that is working together to mobilize these funds that will flow to South Africa to help in as far as the implementation of the Just Energy Transition Partnership, as, as it's called or, or has been described, right? And so that's what we're talking about this morning. So how did South Africa find itself almost at, at the center of efforts, global efforts for the Just Transition and mobilization, global mobilization of funds for the just transition, um, especially in the context then of these countries that, that we are talking about. Zakele? Uh, thank you very much for that question, Katie. I just want to quickly appreciate this, that uh, a consultative process didn't take place. Uh, the, the, the pledge for the climate change that our president is committing to, it said that there will have to be a consultation with the civil society and the community that will be affected. But coming back to your question, why South Africa finds itself at the center of this? I think let's put it bluntly like it is. We are becoming willing partners to be used for experiments of this world. The fact that we are the only country that, is, that has taken this month other countries like Indonesia and India and China who are banning as much coal as we do, if not more, have not taken this. And in fact, they've taken a cautious approach. 
So we are the willing partners to be used as a guinea pig, as a test case for the world. And what the West is really asking is those countries, they are saying, is there anybody around the world who can give us a stand, in other words, a land where we can test this? What they do then, they throw in all these scientific numbers that are read by non-scientific people, things like that country is blessed with a lot of sun, 28% time of the year, it, it's got the sun. Well, that's exactly the science of the sun. Where, they, they, where in countries where there is the sun. It can only be available for 28% in terms of, uh, um, what you call it, in terms of efficiency for the solar panels and everything. So they throw in something that is already known, but they throw in it to the wrong ears. So to answer your question, it is up to our government to ask themselves very tough questions. Have they got the capacity? Have they got the knowledge and the know-how to be able to be having conversation with these people from the West or are they going to shut us out? Because the three of us, say you can see, there's a general consensus that that money is relevant up to a certain point. But mm. it has to be a greater hole where you don't rush to close down your power stations, where you think very hard about the impact on the communities and the impact to the workers and the impact to the country. And lastly, most of the countries, their energy mix, they don't happen in isolation or in absence of other technologies. The problem with this just energy transition, it happens in the absence of no mention of gas to power, no mention of new coal, no mention of nuclear power. Yet the numbers are more or less the same. We're talking 1.5 trillion rand now at 3% interest. Now it's problematic because the West is saying, who can we get around the world who is naive enough not to ask us these tough questions so that when we dangle the big money, they are just going to look into the money and not ask the questions. Mm. And last to unpack it again, we have three types of investment. On the top, we have a commitment for 1.5 billion rand for the next five years. We are now being offered 8.5 billion rand, which is sorry, 8.5 billion dollars, which is 180 billion rand. And of that, they've already advanced for just over 10 billion rand. So they are basically saying to South Africa, you are the only willing partners to test this plan and we are happy with that. We are going to thank you the money because you're not asking the tough enough question, which we are asking here. Liz, uh, you know, uh, as, as, as this conversation is unfolding, and I, I'm also careful because I want to be able to compare apples with apples, right? But I'm just thinking about the controversy that we had around South Africa procuring nuclear power Um and this was, you know, from the Russians or the involvement of the Russians, etc. One of the big issues that was raised as, at the time was around transparency, that there simply was not enough information that was being put in the public domain about what it is that the country was entering into. And the big question was around affordability. So can South Africa actually afford the nature of contracts that um, it was tying itself down to over a period of at least two decades at the time? Do the same questions, and, and I'm asking questions here around principle, apply in the instance of what we are seeing now? 
So unfortunately, I don't think those questions are being asked tough enough. I mean, I agree with my fellow panelists. There's some very tough questions that need to be asked. Um, and uh, we, uh, if I want to put it bluntly, we claim to have to be transitioning, but we don't have an endpoint to where we're transitioning to, and that's to directly answer your question. Is we don't have a plan. We don't actually have an integrated energy plan. And part of the reason is that the piece of law which was supposed to be put into place, signed in by the president in 2008, was not promulgated. So we have a law that says that we must have an integrated energy plan, and an energy being broader than just electricity, an energy plan that speaks to affordability, that speaks to communities, that speaks to climate change. And that's the plan that would be tweaked every year so that we would know where we were transitioning to. And I think the the, the things that um, the previous speaker raised around all these different technologies and the reason that the nuclear deal because it came in completely forced into an artificial electricity plan with all the wrong numbers, completely untransparently. So what the concern here is that we are going to end up with infrastructure we've agreed to, which, yes, we don't know how affordable it is and whether it's actually good for South Africa or whether it's another form of extractivism, um, which is to the benefit of Europe. So I think that it's good if we can negotiate good, solid funding deals, but if we've got to get, if we've got to be sure that we're really going to get benefit out of it, and I think Hamida's raised the issues of, you know, how often does that actually happen? Um, so we can't always be, be, um, you know, welcoming of, of of partnerships with other countries, but we must have our eyes wide open. And I just want to give you an example: is France is one of those countries, but right now we have Total, a French company which is busy trying to get approvals to drill in the oceans and potentially risk the livelihoods of thousands of uh, communities around the coast. And that, at the same time, as the French president is saying, no, we must do no more fossil drilling in the ocean. So, so there's, there's certainly not a clear um, commitment mm. to really working with countries to address climate change in the way that's best for them. Yeah, so, so there are all of these contradictions, uh, effectively, yes. is, that yes. also exist, and that's part of what um, blurs, blurs the lines, right? Hamida, when we look at this plan, and interesting because Liz says that there actually is no plan, but when we look at what um, the International Partners Group says that they're going to be funding, it is... Um, in the energy sector, electric vehicles, and green hydrogen. Um, so these are, are the sectors that have been earmarked for investment. Do we have any details in terms of what South Africa's plan for these sectors are to the extent that, you know, if you go to a bank <laughs> asking for a loan and saying, look, this is what I want to work on, the bank obviously asks you all sorts of questions about why it is that you need to be given this loan. They, they require a lot more detail than just, I have this grand plan. 
so Cassie, thanks very much for the question, and I, I'm, I'm tempted to, to go back to one, one to the one that you asked in relation to why South Africa. But let me let me focus on the one that you've just asked right now, and I think one has to take it slightly further back. So whose agenda has determined that it's energy, that it's electric vehicles, and that is green hydrogen? Hydrogen, surely not us. So. Again, I mean, what I refer to um, in terms of our current state is that this is green colonialism all over again. We do not need green hydrogen, right? If you if you get the if the, the first and foremost question is what is it that we're needing to address, and what would help us ensure our energy security, for and and as we ensure energy security, we need to ensure our energy sovereignty, which is enshrined within within our constitution. And the current investors, both in energy, um, in electric vehicles and green hydrogen, are not about securing sovereignty and rights and affordability for South Africans. It's about investment. So the, the paradigm within which these thing, three things are going to be happening, um, or the three sectors that have been identified, as well as the investment that's going to be coming in, is not going to be for the maximum beneficiation of us as a country. So in terms of the detail, I think uh, as Liz, as well as Akele indicated, we don't get the details. Um, I represent labor, I don't, so I'm, sorry, I'm a research arm representing a voice of labor. I don't have a mandate and I don't sit at, at NEDLAC, so I'm not in the negotiations, but I can guarantee you currently not even NUM, which is the National Union of Mine Workers or NUMSA, and NUMSA has Comrade Mbodi as well as its, as its president who's sitting on the on the so-called PCC. We've got Leba Hang Marawusi who sits there representing Kosato. I don't believe that we're being given the necessary detail to make the informed inform, uh, decisions that are required. So Hamida, why then is there's such silence uh, around, you know, the, these deals. Privatized version of the just transition and has it ratified by parliament. It does not in any way represent or even resonate with the sentiments that we're expressing as labor. For us, the just transition is not just a framework, it is a principle which places workers, communities, and the environment at the epicenter. But you do not see this within the framework. It's not going to address the fundamental problems. And I, if I if, if I may, Kathy, I want to go back to your point um, around um, why are we why the why South Africa central? Mm. So you know the president, uh, I think about just before COVID, had a, a meridian plus the Hamida. Um, let me do this. Let me just ask you to pause there. I'll give you a chance to to finish and make that point uh, because I see we are edging towards the eleven thirty news headlines. Uh, so let's take the headlines and we'll continue our conversation after this. All right, we continue the conversation on the talking point. We're looking then at um, the Just Energy Transition funding that was announced last week at COP27. Zakele Madela is one of our guests. So is Liz McDade and Hamida Didat. I will be taking your calls shortly. 086-000-2032. Uh, that's the number to dial. So Hamida, you were asking that, you were answering that question of why South Africa seems to be at the center of all of this work. Absolutely. So South Africa is accused or is, is, is characterized as being the 13th worst emitter in terms of greenhouse gas emissions. But even though we're sitting 13 globally, when you look at the overall contribution that we make to global emissions, it's actually less than 1%. So so on, on the global scale, it's actually quite small, despite and I don't want to I don't want to minimize the impact. 
but relative to the developed countries, our emission contribution is less than 1%. If you look at Africa on the whole, and if you, in fact, I think if you do a GIS mapping, you'd basically zone straight into South Africa because of Cecil and the kind of carbon emissions that go off. So I think our, our impact on the continent cannot be underestimated. However, South Africa as a developed, as a developing country has, has energy and has a coal-based energy system, both in terms of mining and our energy, as fundamental to our society and to the to our economy. We also currently have a massive problem with our public utility, which is called ESCOM. Now, those of us who are who are cynical would argue that in fact, when you had a a, a a public utility that was running perfectly well. You had global forces that initially pushed towards privatization. We were, as labor, quite strong, and I think many civil society organizations, as part of the anti-privatization forum, contesting quite vociferously not to have our energy system, as well as our water and other public sector uh, or utilities to be privatized. We're now entering a really insidious phase of neoliberalism and neoliberal capital, and unfortunately, with the corruption and the problems that has plagued ESCOM, we're now sitting with a perspective for which has been put forward by the Graduate School of Business, Anton Eberhardt, as well as the Meridian uh, Economics Group, where they've articulated to the president, I think this was just before COVID, very, very clearly that because the international community is saying, if you offset your carbon emissions, you can get money, they advocated for the accelerated decommissioning of our coal-fired power stations said that this would actually be a just transition. We would not only be able to offset uh, or, or get uh, green points, uh, forgive my, my ambiguity, but you'd get green points from the international community in term at, at, at COP or the UNCCC because you'd be reducing your emissions uh, even faster than the uh, national determined contributions, aspirations. But most importantly, you would also be able to attract serious investment, which would then move our energy from a high carbon intensive sector to a low carbon intensive uh, uh, energy driven uh, sector. And no developing country is sitting in the context that South Africa is sitting. So you've got developed countries who have transitioned. They've got massive amounts of money. If you look at Germany, for example, there was an entire town that was uh, very similar to Mpumalanga that was linked to the 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 one of the last coal-fired power stations, uh, sorry, coal-fired power stations and a mine. Angela Merkel invested tons and tons of euros turning that economy into a tourist town, reskilling people, subsidizing. Um, and now with the Ukraine war, Germany, despite all of this, has gone back to coal. South Africa does not have that kind of money. We really don't have that kind of money to be able to do this at such a short space of time, but it doesn't mean that we need to be open to green investment. And I think Liz made an absolutely critical point. We're not supposed to be supporting green colonialism that is extractivism and that is going to perpetuate underdevelopment in our country. In fact, what we should be doing is revising our industrial strategy, really thinking of reindustrialization rather than deindustrialization. And actually, if we address the inequalities and the perverse actions that happen through the coal economy in Mpumalanga, if we do that with a proper political will and true commitment, we will have better beneficiation. The answers are not external. Right. There's enough capacity and intelligence in this country. The problem is those who need to listen are not listening. Let me go to Cabello in Etequini. Good morning, Cabello. 
Hi, hi, Oscar. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Go for it. Hey, I think I must give you a award, man. Uh, the, the panel is a topic that you brought today, and thanks to your team uh, that uh, they've brought the panelists. They've answered all my questions, but I'll just contribute, you know, for uh, because I have lots on my plate. Mm. Uh, firstly, you see, Oscar, there's something, there's a, something that is going on. They said uh, at some point they have to they have to demotive the sun. They have to put something on the ozone layer so that the sun cannot, you know, be 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 be, be, be hot as 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 it is. So they will, you know, they will do the artificial sun. So now, in that sense, then when they are introducing that solar system, how is that solar system is it going to work? Maybe ten years or, or I mean, on fifteen years down the line. So we're still going to have another problem. Uh, 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 of the, this thing they say is not working. Number two, Oscar, uh, why our government, they went overseas and took the research from overseas. Why did they not use? You see those panelists that are there, those people that were supposed to be used in that research to research, what are the other source of energy that you can use in South Africa or in Africa particular? Because now it seems like we are adopting uh, some research that came from Europe which is not going to work for us. So we still have, I mean, we're still going to have, uh, you know, a lot of problems in that sense. So uh, thank you very much, your panelists. You know, they, they just nail it, nail it. All right. All right, Gabelo. Thank Thanks for the yeah. call. Aisha in Uppington. Morning, Kathy. Morning, green Aisha. Co- green colonialism, firstly. Secondly, great panel on point, all of them. Uh all, all, all I want to say is no loans. They must pay for loss and damage, and it must be a just transition, and Liz is right, it must come from the ground up. That's all that I want to say. Uh, um, and, and, and Africa as a block must stand together on this point. No loans, it must be grant, and they must pay for the for the loss and damages that we're going to suffer. Mm. Okay, thanks, All right. Kathy. All right, Aisha, thanks for that. Uh, let me take some of the voice notes that have come through. Good morning, SFM, and to the listeners. It's Sullivan Gamda from Durban, and good morning to honorable guests. With regard to this energy transition loans we are getting, I just have a concern, and with the high interest, we're going to pay back these loans. With our unemployment rate so high in our country, how are we going to fulfill in paying back these loans? As it is, we got an X amount of unemployed people in this country, and we are not collecting the tax and revenue for SARS. How are we going to honor these loans? And if we cannot pay these loans back, what will happen? What are the penalties accrued to our country? Thank you. Morning, Sisket and the SFM listeners. It's Sonti here. This energy just transition, it's another way of us being uh, uh, colonized. You know what's going to happen? Currently now, they are ordering our coal. Uh, they are, you know, in tons and tons and tons. Uh, the same UK that is saying we must stop using coal. What are they doing? They are going to stockpile that and sell it back to us. Uh, at a very high price so this is going to be the same thing that we are seeing with uh, with the diamonds and all these other 
you know, uh, uh, resources that we, we, we have as this country. So that process, it must be reevaluated. And if they want to give us loans, let those loans, uh, let, let it not be loans, let it be grants. And if they are loans, they must be negotiated to be paid back at an average amount uh, of the exchange rate, not, uh, not using the current exchange rate uh, of that time. All right. Uh, thanks for those contributions. Of course, we are out of time for this conversation. Zakele, let me give you just uh, a, a, a minute to give your closing remarks. Thank you very much. Quickly. First of all, I want to say that what the jet, just energy transition people have done, which is particularly wind and so on, they have stolen the exact, the exact proposal of what the one trillion run nuclear deal was. They're talking about 3%. They're talking about the long term of things. Of 20 years. This is exactly what was offered to South Africa with the nuclear deal. It was going to last for 60 years, whereas these things last 20 years. And then on the questions that the people ask, this thing is definitely a loan at 3%. And the gentleman in Deben who said, how are we going to pay for this loan? If you are paying your electricity bill at 7,000 rand a month, in three years' time, it will go to 14,000 by 2035. You'll be paying 21,000. That is how we are going to pay. It's going to come from us. Your bill is going to be multiplied by three times by 2035. That is, that is the information. And then lastly, I also want to talk about the, the situation of the jet NF to just energy transition itself. The just energy transition in Western Europe, except in Germany, it includes gas to power and it includes nuclear. And the same thing in America as Canada and America. It's only here in South Africa where this just energy transition is only about wind and solar and it excludes nuclear and gas to power because it is going to empower the government. That is what is at play. I'm mindful of the time. Thank you for hosting me. I think we, I, I wish we had more time. Thank you. All right. Liz? So for me, I think I would like the listeners to, to think about the fact that we need a plan. Um, before we decide where we're transitioning to or we get driven from other interests that are pushing us as to where we should transition through. That is exactly what try, was trying to happen with the Russian nuclear deal, is that side forces were trying to push us to their advantage. So, so we need to have our own energy plan, which is South Africans have developed, which looks at all the issues that your listeners have raised and would then be able to, to on the basis of facts, uh, and information, be able to say this is where we should be going. And on that basis, we should be going into a negotiation which says those countries that want to help us get to where we want to go and who are, are serious about climate debt and the fact that everyone else was able to develop on their fossil fuels, we all understand we can't continue like that. And therefore, we, we need the rest of the, of the world to come and help us because they benefited. Now they must pay back. And it shouldn't be that they get rich again in trying to and for us to, to move. And in terms of just one sentence on money, right now we have floods in KZN. We've got droughts. These are real costs that we are having to find the money to deal with. And those are, that's the funding that should be going into the trust transition. And that's what we should be asking for help with. All right. Plans and money to come.
compensate for the damage they are already experiencing. All right. Let me thank all of my guests for coming on to the show, being part of uh, this conversation. So what's clear is that a lot more questions need to be asked about the nature of these deals that have been entered into and what they mean for South Africa. And this issue of plans that Liz has raised, what are the plans that they're going to be going towards? That's how we wrap it up on the Monday edition of The Talking Point. Back with you again tomorrow morning. I'm going to leave you with the book reading as always.